Well, welcome, Valley family. I just want to say thank you to Dr. Greg for that really warm and generous welcome. And I almost wanted to look around to see if he was talking about somebody else there <laughs> for a minute. But I'm so happy to be here um, with you at Valley tonight. And um, it's been an amazing journey. I have been here for many years, and I'm thankful for what God has done in my life through Valley Christian Church. So let's get started with our series. As Dr. Greg mentioned on the video, we are on the fourth week of our series called Teach Us to Pray. And we're simply meeting a need that most studies say that believers have. And that is that we know we want to pray, and we know that we need to pray, but we don't know how to pray. And so we hope in, that uh, it's been our goal in this series to help us to learn to pray better and to move us towards a lifestyle of prayer. So we've been using Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and that's our theme verse for this series, and it says, One day... Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, the disciples weren't unfamiliar with prayer. Some of them had probably been praying for their whole lives, but they recognized that Jesus was doing something different. What Jesus was doing was so real and so refreshing. It was just so different that they said, teach us how to do that. And, you know, I believe if I had been there, I would have asked the same thing. I would have asked Jesus to teach me how to pray. Because, you know, when we first moved here to New York many years ago, um, praying for me wasn't my favorite thing to do, especially not praying out loud. And I knew that I wanted to pray, and I knew that I needed to pray, but I didn't feel like I really knew how to pray. So shortly after we moved into our new home, um, one of my neighbors, my next-door neighbor, stopped by and uh, I came out and I was talking to her out front on, the, on my lawn. And she was just talking to me about different things. And she kind of ended the conversation by saying, you know, I've noticed that you go to church because I see you and your family leaving every Sunday morning. And, and I imagine you're going to church. I'm like, yeah, 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 we're going to church. And so she said, and so I just wanted to ask you if you'd pray for me. Well, my heart almost stopped <laughs> when she said that. And I thought, um... I said, okay, sure, I'll pray for you. And then I quickly turned around and ran into my house and closed the door. And I got in my house, and I, I knew that, that she was really asking me to pray for her at that moment. And I felt so bad. I kind of leaned back against the door, and I was like, God, I, I know she needed me to pray, but I just couldn't get myself to do it. And I said, but if you give me another chance, if you give me an opportunity like that to pray, I'll step into it. I really will. Now, you know God has a sense of humor, right? <laughs> because I hadn't even leaned off the door good when I heard. And you know who it was, right? It was my neighbor. <laughs> so I opened the door, and I'm like, hey, how are you? And she said, I just came back because I just needed to say something else. I'm like, oh, okay. But I knew that that was my opportunity to step in. And so I did, and I asked her, would you like me to pray for you now? And tears just started streaming down her face. And I knew that that was what I was supposed to have done at that time. I don't remember what I said. I don't even know. I don't even remember what she was asking me to pray for about anymore. But I know this, that I was obedient to what God called me to do. And that I prayed. And I'm, I was so thankful for that opportunity to pray again. And so I know that if I had been there with those disciples, I would have wanted Jesus to teach me how to pray. And so we've tried to take you on this journey with us the last few weeks to help you all to learn to pray better too. So in week one, we talked about the real meaning of prayer and that 
prayer is all about a relationship, and that relationship is with God. And if it's not a real relationship with God, then it's really just a ritual. You're just really going through the motions. Week two, we talked about prayer as being constant contact with God and that we can communicate and stay connected with God through prayer. Week three, we talked about what we should pray when we do pray, that we should pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in our lives, to pray for his presence and his power and his influence and his blessing over our lives. And today, we're going to take a practical look at how we can get prayer working in our lives and how we can make prayer our lifestyle. So let's take a look at Luke 18, verse 1. And it says, One day Jesus told his disciples, one day Jesus told his disciples a story, I'm sorry, to show that they should always pray and never give up. And you can read the rest of that story if you'd like. But what Jesus was really telling his disciples was that they should always pray and never give up. You know, sometimes we're praying for something and it doesn't happen right away. It doesn't work out the way we think it should at the time that it should. And we give up praying. But what Jesus was saying to his disciples and what he's saying to us is don't give up praying. And I don't mean just don't give up praying about that particular thing. I mean just don't give up the the habit of praying. Don't give up praying in general on a whole. So if we take a look at 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it makes it really, really simple for us. It says, never stop praying. Does anybody need any interpretation on that? <laughs> never stop praying. And you know, that's what Jesus wanted us to know. And for those of you who have always wanted to memorize a Bible verse, start here. Very simple, very easy one that we can all remember. Never stop praying. Here at Valley, we're a praying church. I love how Dr. Greg put it in Growth Track 101 when he said, that we're always praying here at Valley, but it's kind of what we call under the waterline. At Valley, we pray individually, we pray as a staff, we pray in our community groups, and we pray as a church. I love that here at Valley we have uh, several times a year where we block out 40-day periods at a time where we are led together as a church through a devotional, and we can pray together in one accord, and we can pray about different subjects, and we pray for our church, and we pray for our community. So here at Valley, we are a praying church. You know, you're going to be marked by something. Let us be marked by prayer. Uh, one of my friends in the Valley Kids, one of the Valley Kids volunteers was telling me that he um, ran into somebody at church that he, he knew from the community. And he said that, you know, they were chatting and trying to figure out how, you know, what was the mutual connection, how they got there, and they realized they had a mutual friend. And the friend said to them, you know, I'm not surprised that you go to Valley, because you guys are so much alike, that there's something about you that's different. There's something about your character that when you said that you went to Valley, it made sense to me that you guys both go to the same church. And so here at Valley, we are marked as people of integrity, we are marked as people of character, but let's be marked as people of, of prayer as well. You know, Jesus said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Let's be a praying people. So what I want to offer to you is some personal application to help you to never stop praying. There are three things if you want to have a lifestyle of prayer that you're going to need. And before I tell you what they are, I'm going to say if you have a pen and paper or something, you want to write it down, put it in your phone, whatever it is you want to do, make a note of it. Because if you really want to change something in your life, you've got to do something. And so these are the three things. First of all, if you want to have a lifestyle of prayer, you're going to need to have a certain time a certain time to pray, and give that time to God. Make time for God. Make an appointment with God, and then keep it. 
Don't give God the leftovers. Don't wait till you've run through your whole day and said, man, I got everything done. I got, okay, I've got five minutes. Let me, well, maybe I'll pray. No, that won't do it. If you want to have a lifestyle of prayer, you have to have a certain time to pray. You know, uh, some of the younger staff members at Valley are always laughing at me because I am kind of joking that I keep a paper calendar. And I like that because I like to look at things. I like to check it off. And, you know, I can look at my calendar all at one time. And so for me, I can actually put on my calendar, you know, my appointments with God. And if that works for you, do that. But for those of you who are a little more tech savvy, using your phones and any other kind of electronic device, put it in your phone. Now, so that I could get along, you know, with the program, I started using my phone too. <laughs> and so I started putting my appointments on my phone. And little did I know that uh, about 10 minutes before your appointment time, ding, you get a reminder. And I thought, now how cool is that if you get a reminder and it says, appointment with God? Come on, you couldn't even miss it. You couldn't even be late for that appointment. <laughs> so I love that, you know, you can do anything that you need, anything that'll help you to remember. But make a certain time for God if you want to have a lifestyle of prayer. Let me show this to you out of the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 says, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, and that decree was that you could no longer pray to anyone but the king, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Now Daniel prayed three times a day. His appointments with God was three times a day. And I remember Dr. Greg saying this, and he says it, you know, he says it quite frequently, but whatever you do in practice, that's what you're going to do in the game. And see, this was Daniel's practice. This was Daniel's routine. So when game time came, and they said that he could no longer pray, oh, he knew what to do. He went to his room, just as he had always done, and he prayed to God three times. And if you read that story, you'll find that God showed up for him big time on Daniel's behalf. So if you want to have a lifestyle of prayer, then you need to have a certain time to pray. Also, if you want to have a lifestyle of prayer, you need to find a certain place. Many who have a successful prayer life usually have a prayer closet. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be a closet. My place is outside. I like to pray outside. I love to pray outside. I feel like I'm connecting with God in nature. So I'll sit on my back deck. I'll pray outside. I'll pray on my front porch. But you can pray wherever it is that is that place that you feel like you connect with God. Now, I tried the closet. And I was in there for about 15 minutes. And I actually got a lot done. My closet was in good shape when I left. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't much praying, so I realized that is not my place. But whatever place it is for you, find that place and pray. Jesus had a place. If you remember when we read in Luke chapter 1, Jesus was praying in a certain place when the disciples heard him and asked him to teach them how to pray. Let me read to you another place, and that's Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, Jesus had a place to pray. And some, in some places in Scripture, we read where Jesus was in a place where he could look out over Jerusalem, where he could look out over that city that he loved and the people that he loved, and that he wept and he cried and he prayed over those people. And so if you want to have a lifestyle of prayer, find a time and find a place. There's all, another thing that you need. If you would like to have a lifestyle of prayer, you need to have a certain plan. 
go into this time with things that you plan to pray about. Now, if you were going to go into a business meeting, if it was an important meeting, guaranteed you're going to go in with a plan. You might have a to-do list. You might have points that you want to share. But you would go in with a plan. And sometimes we're not successful in our prayer lives because we don't have a plan to pray. But if you want to pray and you want to be successful at praying, you do need to have a plan. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he responded with a plan. And he said in Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, if you prayed this prayer, it would probably take you all of about 30 seconds. There's nothing wrong with praying that prayer. But really, Jesus gave that as, a, as the headlines or the topics that, that you could use to pray. And so when he said, Our Father, hallowed be your name, it was to remind us to start our time in prayer in worship. When he said, Your kingdom come, it's those intercessory things that we need to bring before God that we can pray. Give us this day reminds us to focus on ourselves and the things that God is providing for us. Forgive us our trespasses reminds us to make our hearts right with God when we, when we go to pray. As we forgive those who trespass against us reminds us to make our hearts right with others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil reminds us to fight that fight. We have an enemy and he's real. And when we go into prayer, we need to fight the devil. These are elements of prayer. And when I go into prayer, my prayer time, I bring resources with me. I have a prayer journal. I have something that helps me to, helps to guide me along. I have a notepad with a list of people I pray for. I pray for my husband. I pray for my children. I pray for my brothers and sisters and my community group. I pray for the staff, and I pray for Valley Kids. And the list can go on and on and on. Do I pray for all of them every time? No. I don't. I, I can't get through it all the time, every time. But what it is is a plan. It's a plan. And I can say, you know, Lord, I'll be back tomorrow because I have a certain time and I have a certain place and I have a certain plan. You know, I'm part of a moms and prayer group that meets on Sundays, on Mondays, and I'm amazed at how, um, how much we get accomplished when we pray. And in fact, that prayer time significantly impacted my prayer life. Because when we walk in, we get a sheet, and it has a list of things that we're going to pray for. And there's a bunch of us in that room. But before we leave there, we pray for our children. We pray for their schools. We pray for the community. We pray for organizations. It is amazing how much we get accomplished because we have a plan. So if you want to have a lifestyle of prayer, you need to have a plan to pray. I'm going to give you one more little tip that can help you when you're praying um, to have a plan to pray. And it's an acronym, and the word is ACTS. And A is for adoration. Start with adoration. C, confession. T, thanksgiving. And S, supplication. Maybe you can't remember the Lord's Prayer. Maybe that's a, you know, you can't remember what each part relates to. But maybe this might help you a little bit, Acts. And you can start your prayer time in that. But if you want to have a lifestyle of prayer, you need to have a certain time. You need to have a certain place. And you need to have a certain plan. Sometimes we don't have time. I'm sorry. I want to tie all of this together for you with two words that I want you to take with you. And as we make prayer part of our lifestyle, I want you to remember to do this. I want you to remember to pray first. Now, you know, I'm a teacher, right? Valley Kids, so I'm going to have you say that. Everybody, let's say that together. Pray first. Come on, you don't sound too good. One more time. 
pray first. Very good. <laughs> okay. Before anything else, before we act, and I encourage you to act because action is important, I want you to pray. Before every situation, pray first. Let me show you what I mean, or let me tell you what I mean about, by that. Before an appointment, you know somebody's about to come into your office. Maybe you're about to go into somebody else's office. You got a few minutes, stop and pray. Pray first and ask the Lord to help you to have wisdom, to give you fresh ideas and to be productive. Before your kids go off to school, pray first. Ask the Lord to bless little Johnny as he's going out on his day. Pray that he'll be a leader and not a follower. Before you pick up your phone, pray first. Before you go on vacation, pray first. You know, my family has a tradition of praying um, before we go on vacation, and maybe we had ulterior motives because we were traveling with four kids. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we would always pray before we would drive out of the driveway. And every now and then we managed to get our wheels on the road and, and, uh, without having prayed, but inevitably somebody in the car was going to say, hey, we didn't pray yet. And we would, we would always pray, and we pray that God would bless our trip, that he would keep us safe on the roads, that he would help us to have uh, an enjoyable time and sweet memories, and that, you know, we'd be a blessing to those that we come in contact with. So remember to pray first. Now, I want to share something with you why I'm telling you it's important to pray first. I want to show you from the Bible, and it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. And it says, God is letting us know that there are going to be some bad times. If you've not, you're not having a hard time now, you live long enough, there's going to be something that's going to come. And God reminded us with this by saying, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, now hold on there, he said all of these things to remind us that, like I said, hard times will come. But I want to translate that for you in today's language. So when you have difficult days, when there's a dilemma, when situations at home aren't going as you thought, when your kids are giving you a hard time, they're not doing what they should be doing, when you have situations where you don't know how it's going to work out, when there's a plague among my people. Do you remember the cicadas? I'm quite sure that was a plague. And <laughs> <laughs> those times when you get a bad report from the doctor, this is what I want you to do. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. You know, I believe that Jesus gave this as a reminder to the Israelites, because their first response was not prayer. But let us be a people of prayer. Let prayer be our first response. Before every appointment, before every time your kids go off to school, before every vacation, and every trip, every phone call, what would it be like if we were people who prayed first? Now I'm going to give you four things that I'm going to suggest that we need to do and we need to take action on. But before we do any of these things, we need to pray first. And if we pray first, it'll go better. The first thing is I want you to pray first for our nation. Our nation is in peril. All you have to do is listen to the news or read the latest headlines, and you can see that our nation is in peril. We need to pray first for our nation. Sadly, in the news, we've witnessed many tragic events that have sought to tear our communities apart. Our hearts were broken in the recent tragedy, tragic events in Charleston, South Carolina, where nine people were killed as they were in their church in a Bible study. But we also witnessed a nation, and a di uh, the nation also witnessed a different outcome as those families 
church and community responded with prayer and forgiveness. It was such a different response that we had when the church rose up and was being the church and we were praying. It was such a different response and such a different outcome that the media didn't even know how to say it. They didn't even know how to report it. We need to pray for our nation. When was the last time that you prayed for a president? When was the last time you prayed for the Supreme Court? How about for our local government officials? We need to pray first for our nation, and then we need to be part of the process. Work out whatever your values are and where you stand. That's between you and the Lord. But don't be those people who have an opinion, but you're not part of the process because then you're part of the problem. So pray first for our nation. You know, I heard it said once that I don't lift my eye to the hill, as in Capitol Hill, because that's not where my help comes from. But God tells us to lift our eyes to the hills because that's where our help comes from. It's not that we're looking to the government to solve all our problems. It's not look, that we're looking for um, our help to only come from there. But God has called us to be salt and light in this world, and we need to be part of the process. Maybe you don't pray because you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray for. Well, let me help you with that. First, Thessalon first Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So we need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for those in government. Proverbs 11, 11 says, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. We need to pray and bless our nation. That's our job. God bless America. Bless our communities. We have many colleges in our communities. Why don't we pray for some revivals on our college campuses? We can pray that it would be cooler to serve God than to do the other things that our young people get led down different paths of that are, are the wrong path. Pray first for our schools. Pray for our neighborhoods. Pray first for our nation. The second thing that I want to say that we need to pray for is we need to pray first for our family. Pray for your kids. Bring prayer into your homes and ask God to let your children be leaders and not followers of what is not good. Pray that he would cover them and that he would protect them. Pray with your spouses. Pray for your spouses. You know, I know life is busy, Aaron and I find that all the time. We're sometimes going in different directions. And maybe you can't always pray together. But you can know what each of you is praying about, and you can agree in prayer together. Pray for your family. Let prayer be fluid. Maybe you don't have the time, or maybe it doesn't work well for your family to sit down and do devotions and have a prayer time that's just that prayer time or that devotional time. But you know, you can pray for your family throughout the day. You see, when your kid's going through something, ask, can I pray for you about that? I see you're struggling with that. Just make prayer part of your everyday life. Don't only pray when things are bad. When things are good, something's happened. Hey, why don't we pray and thank God for what he's done in our lives so we can make prayer just part of our everyday lives. Pray first for your family. I want to tell you a little story about my grandson, Jace. Love of my life. <laughs> he's only three years old at the time, and... Um, he was, uh, I, I have the privilege of being able to take him to, to nursery school in the mornings. I just love that because it's, you know, just a few minutes in the car, but we're always talking about some little thing. And then as we get close, closer to the school, I usually pray for him. And every morning I pray for him, and it doesn't matter whatever else we're praying about, I always end 
the prayer with that blessing in numbers that we pray at the end of our gatherings. And I will say, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine on you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And every morning before he gets out of the court, may the Lord bless you. May he, may, may he um, keep you. May he make his face to shine on you. May he lift his countenance upon you. May he give you peace. He jumps out the car. He goes his way. Well, this particular morning, I was running a little late. And he was sitting in the back seat, as usual, the thumb in his mouth, you know, going on along. And we get to the school. I'm like, oh, I forgot to pray. Okay, I said, let's pray real quick, Jace, okay? And I said, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. Have a good day. In Jesus' name. And he popped his thumb out. And he said, Grandma, you forgot to give me peace. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well. <laughs> and so I said, you're sure right. You know, and I, then I went ahead and prayed that. And, you know, some of you might say, oh, yeah, that's because, you know, in his three-year-old little mind, that, that's, that's what he got. Maybe he didn't even know what that meant. But it's okay. He knew that it was something important that he didn't want to get out of the car without. And, you know, some of you may say, oh, that's because you're a pastor. That's why it was so meaningful. But no, don't get it twisted. That's not why it was so meaningful. It was so meaningful because he's the smartest, cutest kid in the world. That's why it was so meaningful. <laughs> Just kidding. But no, really, he really is. <laughs> no, it was so meaningful because we pray first. For our family. So pray first for your family. Nehemiah 4.14 says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers and your sisters and your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for your families. There are many, many things that are fighting for our families. Many things are fighting against us. Pray first for your family. The third thing I want you to pray for is pray first for the lost. If you want to know what the Lord is interested in, he's interested in the lost. If you were having a conversation with someone and all they talked about was what they were interested in, wouldn't you think they're kind of rude? I would. <laughs> but God, you know, we come to him all the time in prayer and we're talking about what we want and what we need. How about what God wants? God wants us to pray for the lost. Let me show that to you in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. And it said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he turned to his disciples and said, in Matthew 37, 38, he said, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Here's the problem. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. But we don't have enough out there doing something about it. We don't have enough to help in the harvest. We've started recently here at the church, Growth Track, where we're helping us to all become fully devoted followers of Christ. And week four of Growth Track, which we just finished, um, is about the Dream Team, Dream Team 401, where we invite you to come and be part of the team, where we invite you to help and to be part of those that are helping to reap the harvest that is ready. It is a response to Jesus' prayer to those laborers, to, to be those laborers in the harvest. If you see the need, help. If it's passing out an info guide on a Sunday morning, or if it's holding a baby so that their parents can go to, into the uh, gathering, maybe for the first time to hear the gospel. Whatever it is, if there's a need, we can help. We can be part of that. Pray first for the lost. Let's specifically pray for someone. I encourage you to write down someone's name today. Pray for them and then invite them to come. The Lord is looking across the fields with compassion, and he's seeing the harassed and the helpless, and he's saying, 
pray. Pray first. Pray first and then believe for more people to come to Christ. Pray first for the lost. And then finally, I'm going to ask you to pray first for your needs. So the next time you have a headache, if you want to take some medication, take some medication if you need it. But pray first because our God, one of his names is the healer. Pray first for your needs. If you have a dilemma, I'm not saying that you shouldn't solve it. I'm not saying you shouldn't try to figure it out. But what I'm saying is pray first because God might give you a solution that was far better than what you would have come up with on your own. Pray first for your needs. We want, to be, we want prayer to be something that we do to let God know that we are going to come to him first. We want to say, God, you are the priority in our lives. And if we do this, this is what the Bible tells us. In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And this is what he promises when we will do that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, some of us who are here today are in turmoil. Some of us are here and we're struggling with things that we've been carrying. But I want you to know that God wants us to pray. If we have needs, he wants us to bring them to him. He wants us to pray first for our needs. Some of us have gotten out of the habit of praying. Some of us have forgotten to pray. But let's remind ourselves to pray until prayer becomes a habit, until the first thing that we do is that we pray. We pray first. We're going to be different if we just pray. We're going to be different if we pray first. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. You know, a lot of times things happen in our lives and we are, you know, we're looking to this one for an answer or you call that person for an answer. And instead, the answer would have come from God if we had looked to him first. I, I always like that TV show where they have a lifeline. Okay, I'm going to call my lifeline or you're going to ask someone from the audience. We don't need to do that when it comes to God. He is the lifeline. We need to start with him first and then we can go from there. God often will be able to give us an answer that we're looking for. Maybe it's not the answer that we want, but we will get the answer that we need. So pray first for our needs. I want to tell you tonight, I want to encourage you to give God whatever it is that you're facing. Pray first and put it to the test and watch that the God of peace will guard your heart and mind. Some of you may feel that, you know, you're here tonight and God is millions of miles away and that you've tried that before and that you've prayed before and it didn't work. And I'm going to encourage you like we started out, never give up. Don't stop praying. Or perhaps you're someone that is here and God feels millions of miles away to you because you've sought a relationship with him in a different way other than what the Bible prescribes. So many of us have bought in, so many people have bought into the lie of religion that it's about joining a church or it's about being a good person. But that's not what God calls us to do. You are close to God when you surrender to him and come into a relationship with him. Some of us have fallen away from God and maybe have walked away from God. And you know that something is missing. You're religious, but you feel empty. Real relationship begins with a real person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So I want to pray with us right now. I want to pray together. And it doesn't matter where you are. If you're at a place that you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you'd like to start a relationship with him. 
But if maybe you're someone who, who has known him, but he's not Lord in your life anymore and you want him to be, we can pray for that uh, tonight as well. And maybe you feel like you didn't know how to pray, and I hope that this series has helped you to, to take a step a little closer to making prayer part of your lifestyle. But I'm going to say this after we pray tonight, that there will be um, members of our staff that will come down front or leaders of our church. And if you want someone to pray for you, don't leave here tonight without asking for prayer. God is a real. He's alive and he's well. And he's here with us tonight. And so I'm going to pray with you. And if there's someone who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there's someone who wants an opportunity to accept him. It's not about the words that we're going to say and it's not about praying to me. It's actually you're praying these words straight to heaven. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it quietly to yourself. You just need to pray to God and your heart will be right with him. So let us pray. God, I ask that you forgive me for, my own, for going my own way and for doing my own thing. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sin and be Lord of my life. Come into my life, God, and change me. I surrender everything to you, God. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God. Thank you, God, for every person that prayed that prayer today. Lord, thank you that you hear and that you forgive and that they are cleansed and that they are new in you. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives inside of each of us who know you and that you give us the power to live for you. God, I also pray that we will be people who will pray first and not act first and that we will be a praying church. And I pray, God, that the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.